Well, this is, uh, this is our last Sunday of the year. It's exciting. It's a, it's a, do you recognize this graphic, any of you that do Facebook, any Facebook people? There's this cool thing on Facebook that's a year in review. We have a year in review in almost all of our uh, media these days. We've got like uh, Time Magazine has its, you know, top moments of 2015, ESPN, the sports ones are my favorite ones, all the, the best plays at Major League Baseball Network, the best defensive plays of 2015, that'll stir your heart, won't it, for Jesus, and, um, and uh, today's show has the, you know, the video of the year in review, everybody has a year in review, and then there's this thing on Facebook where they actually have uh, your year in review, and it sort of came up for me. It invited me to click on this link and see your year in review, and I guess you can share it with your friends. So I clicked on it, and it randomly generated 10 pictures for me from my Facebook account. Have you done this for years? It's kind of cool. It's just sort of like, hey, here was your year, and I thought, well, this is going to be fascinating. It's going to be my year in review. It's just going to be this significant experience, and so here you go for your guys' enjoyment. Here's my year in review. The first one that came up was Linda eating 2,000 um, calorie milkshake. That was awesome. Uh, go Linda. That was because we went on a long run that day, by the way. So she got to do that. And uh, keep going. We'll just go through these. So there's some guys, a lot of pasta, a lot of carbs, some men around my table and a men's group. There's my daughter who produced her first event for her new job in Texas. Uh, look at that. Seriously. I, we just pause there for a second. I, can I just apologize to you that we're your pastors? That's all. <laughs> Um, that came up. I don't know. There's us. This is Texas. You just see the little, this is my daughter. We, we visited her first time we visited her in Texas and that's the little people down below, but that's the big star. I'm not such a good photographer. That came up. That was, um, I got in trouble for this, that, that I took my wife's, um, messed up toenails from, um, uh, another long run that we did. So that was a 14 miler in the mountains. You stud, look at you. I took a picture of her, her feet. That's packing the car. That's you, Emily. That's your stuff. Cause we moved your stuff out of the garage. Sayonara, um, <laughs> off the payroll. There's me and Tommy at a Giants game. Somebody gave us tickets and we went to the Giants game the night before he went back to school. That was kind of a cool night. And that was our, here's our new BFF, Jeremy Affelt. I told you that story, me and Tommy and Jeremy. That's oh, awesome. I'm best friends with Jeremy Affelt. Not true. And this is just from Christmas Eve from Cole and Stedman, Gina's uh, two sons. And we took a little picture. I thought that was really cool. This came up, that came up for me. It just randomly generated these 10 pictures off my Facebook. And it was so funny because I just thought, wow, really? That was my year. So I've got food, uh, embarrassing my wife, some cool men in my life that I love. And, uh, and that was it. That was my whole, I'm like, wow, okay, that's it. You know, fascinating that on Facebook, I realized I didn't post any of the times that I got into funky moods and um, made my wife cry by being mean to her. None of that on Facebook. Wouldn't it be great if we posted that on Facebook? Here's the year in review. Here's Jeff when he was at his worst and he made his wife cry. That was a cool day. Just posted a lot of likes, you know. Uh, that was not there. There was no screaming in the, on the freeway. That wasn't there. Um, there was no like, you know, periods of depression where I just wrote down, you know, there's a blank, you know, like a black picture. Yeah, I'm just not feeling it right now. There was none of that on Facebook. But this year in review on Facebook, I thought it was fascinating. I hope you send me your year in review. I'd like to see all the way that you've lied to the world um, <laughs> about how your year really went. That'd be awesome. So I thought it would be good, you know, next week we're going to look at, next week is January 3rd, it's our first Sunday of the year, and we're going to do a little mini-series called How to Spend a Year. How do I invest in this year? What am I going to be about this year? And that's January 3rd. Most of us are way too tired to hear that message right now. So on this last Sunday of the year, I thought we would do a little message called How to Look Back on a Year. How to look back on a year. How do I analyze a year? How do I look back and look at what I just came through in a reflective way that might be helpful for me or for the, for the kingdom of God? 
How do I look back on a year? You could also subtitle it, I guess, the Bible's advice on reviewing a year. The Bible's advice on reviewing a year. So as we look back, here's a couple of, uh, of points that uh, the scriptures teach us. And I'm going to give you on each one of the points that I make this morning, and we're, we've got a short morning because the kids are with us and because you just frankly can't take any more of us up here. And uh, I'm going to give you four experiences that I'm going to challenge you that maybe you're going to write those down and there'll be four dates with God that you're going to have over the next couple of weeks. Or maybe just one of them resonates with you and you're going to be like, I'm going to do that experience as I am thoughtful about my last year. And so uh, be looking for those and, th- and listening for those and see if God doesn't prompt you about one or more of these experiences that you can do as you look back on a year. So how to look back on a year, the Bible's advice on reviewing a year. Here we go. Number one, how to look back on a year, don't. <laughs> don't. Let's just not do it. Don't do it. Uh, this is a scripture, Philippians chapter 3. I got this right out of the Bible. Here it says this. And, b- and before we get into that, text, th- just the verses in front of this are the ones where, where Paul is saying to the, um, to the Philippians, he says, um, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Like, I want to live for Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And I haven't gotten there yet, and I'm not perfected. I haven't arrived, okay? He's talking about wanting to know Christ, but that he hasn't arrived yet. And then he goes into this verse. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, as he already said. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I know we're still foggy from Christmas, but look at the, verse, the words in there. There's a couple of words there. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of. I've not arrived, but here's one thing I do. What do I do? What's the next phrase? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I'm going to press on. Now, truthfully, and, 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 and to be fair with this text, he's talking really about forgetting all the things that happened before he came to know Jesus because life fundamentally changed when he came to know Jesus. So that, all that stuff back there, whatever was to my benefit, whatever was, to, to, was a failure and a disaster, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to move forward now that I have Christ in my life. It's much more global than looking at a year. But friends, it's true that there's this concept in Scripture that looking forward is what's important now. It's straining toward what is ahead. The reality is what is next with Jesus is always far more important than what has already happened. There's this concept in Scripture about looking forward, about moving ahead, about moving to the next things, about being attentive to Jesus, about being responsive to Jesus, about taking these steps of faith, about living in the now and living in the next and not living in the past. That is definitely a scriptural principle. So as we think about how to review a year, one thing we could probably say is let's not. Let's look forward. Let's look forward to what God has for us. Let's look into the next things, not the past success or failure. And we don't say that because I, 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 I'm not saying this because I want you to say, listen, don't dwell on on the failures. I do want to say that. But I also want to say don't dwell on the successes. Because what you did or what you didn't do in the past, in very large measure, has nothing to do with what you're going to do today and tomorrow for God and with God and who you're going to be. So we're not going to dwell on the past success or the past failure. 
And we need to hear this message because a lot of us are just sort of coasting in life. Like, I'm doing okay, and I did all right last year, and I didn't hurt anybody, and I didn't whatever. I'm just, we're just coasting. Listen, flatlining is not life, friends. But being responsive to the presence of Jesus in your life is radical. And so we're going to be straining toward what he has for us. We're going to be listening to his voice, and we're going to be obedient going forward, regardless of what we did in the past. Some of us really need to hear this message truthfully, frankly, because last year was a disaster for us. We're cooked. We're tired. We blew it more times than we succeeded. We feel like as we look back, it was an incredibly difficult year. Our heart is tired. It's wounded. It feels like it's bled out to the place where we don't really have anything to give. And we're sort of done. And we go, wow, when I review on last year, that's hard. So let's not. Let's turn forward and ask God to lead us into what he has for us going ahead. If last year cooked you, if last year was a, is a set of painful memories, then looking ahead is important so that we're not letting last year define you. Because the thing about it is, is that how your last year went, friends, you could make some agreements with what life looks like or feels like in, in light of last year. You can go, well, I guess I'm a depressed person. I guess I'm not going to do well in this relationship. I guess what? There's going to be agreements that you make that, frankly, if you make those agreements, there's no hope of changing them going forward because you've defined who you are. Last year does not define you. Jesus and his spirit within you defines you. And so we turn attentively to him and to the future of what he has. This is why I'm actually a pretty big fan of resolutions. Like, I know it's hip to be like, oh, I don't do resolutions, and resolution, I'm not doing... No, I'm kind of big about resolutions. And I'm not talking about just sort of these random, uh, you know, kind of randomly generated, you know what, I should probably take up sailing. I'm going to learn to sail. That's my resolution. You know, I'm not... Like, we have to think of something to do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just sort of, uh, you know, something random. I'm talking about the desire to move ahead, a desire to develop some new habits, a desire to not be some random, totally different person. I'm going to learn French. Why? I don't like French. I don't know. It's a resolution. That's never going to, by the way, those will never sustain you, right? But I'm talking about moving forward to put yourself in a place where you can hear what God's saying to you and then become, with increasingly developed habits, that person that you want to be. See, resolutions are about developing habits so that change comes. It's not about you being some randomly different person all of a sudden because it's January 1. So we look forward. We look forward with Jesus. We don't look back. How to spend a year. Here's some advice. How to review, sorry, not how to spend a year. How to look back on a year, don't. Here's an experience that maybe you could have. Maybe this res- will resonate with you, this, this thought. Have a funeral on your last year. Have a funeral for your last year, for the last year. All your successes and all your, fa- your, your, your failures, have a funeral for last year. Take a look at last year and all the stuff that you're carrying in your big backpack of remembrances and stop And have an experience where you say, okay, we're putting this to rest. That season of time, that was great. He was a great guy. You know what funerals are like, right? He was a great guy. 
but it's no more. My failures, he, he did his best, but it's over. And that you could actually write down some stuff that you're carrying into this year. Successes and failures. This is who I am. This is what defined me. This is what I carried from last year into this year. And let it go. Put it away. Put a bow on it and go, that was then. And it's over. And then picture yourself walking out of the funeral home and say, okay, God, what's next? All right, how to look back on a year. One, don't. Two, live like you are forgiven. Live like you are forgiven. This is part of this idea of not looking back and being defined by our failures, but it's more than that. How to review a year. When we look back on our year, we need to live now and live going forward like we're forgiven. Here's a verse in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will, this is quoting Jesus. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Now let me, let me be specific. It's quoting God. God said this in Jeremiah and the writer of Hebrews re, um, repeated it. This is God saying to us, for I will forgive their wickedness. This is God's good news and God's love. This is a reality that we live in. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I like this because... He's forgotten our sins in his good news, in his love and his grace. I mean, he's forgotten it. I love this particular verse about forgiveness because I could actually picture having a conversation with God where you're like, oh, God, my sin. And he's like, what sin? We're like that thing all year long. And then that other thing, and then those three things, and then that whole season during the, like that whole, and the way I treat it. And he's like, I don't remember that. Isn't that funny? But that's exactly what the scriptures teach. He says, listen, because you know Christ and Jesus' blood has covered you, I have forgiven your wickedness and I remember your sin no more. I don't remember it. I don't know what you're talking about. God's that thing again. He goes, I don't, I don't recall that. What would it be like if we looked back on our year and we lived into this reality that when God looks back on the year because of the blood of Jesus, because of the good news of the forgiveness of Christ, he goes, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. Isn't that the best? I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now listen, he's forgotten it. If he's forgotten it, then you can too. You can let it go. If he's let it go, then you can let it go. It doesn't define you. Your failure is not who you are. Your sin is not who you are. That's the old person. That's the flesh. That's the junk that hangs around you still. But Jesus has come into your heart and he's given you a new heart. And you're clean and you're forgiven. So we can let it go. Now listen, if you're, if this, if you're receiving that message in some sort of a what we call cheap grace way, this is something that Bonhoeffer said, this cheap grace idea, which is that you just easily receive God's forgiveness, but you're not trying and you don't care. If you spent the whole year being a self-centered, self-absorbed jerk and don't care, and you're like, great, great message, I'll let it go. I can let it go all day long. That's not a problem. Well, you got bigger problems than how to review your year, friends. 
You're not submitting yourself to the lordship of Jesus. That is a way bigger deal, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the rest of us who go along and find ourselves not being the person we long to be, failing, having sin in our lives, having compulsions in our lives we can't break, just uh, having the flesh affect us to where we hurt people, and we hurt God, and we hurt ourselves, and we're like, when's that going to end? That kind of life, we receive this good news that Jesus says, listen, turn around, look forward, let it go. It doesn't, you're, there's no condemnation now for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's cast it off. The scriptures say he's cast it as far as the east is from the west. He's taken your sin and he remembers it no more. So we get to live like we're God's favorite. We get to live like we're God's favorite. Remember, remember that thing when you were a kid, and you, some of you kids know this, when you've done something wrong and you kind of go to your parents and you, either they know, don't know it yet or they're going to find out soon or they do know it and they're kind of disappointed in you. And you know that feeling when you kind of slink into the room and you're like, I wonder when I'm going to regain their favor and like I've got to be on my best behavior and I can't be all jokey and happy because I have been blowing it. We can live like nothing ever happened between us and God our Father. That is an amazing reality. We can live like we're his favorite. I love the image of the fact that God has got your picture on his refrigerator and he is bragging to the angels about you, how amazing you are. And you're like, yeah, but all that junk in my life. And he's like, yeah, I don't remember what you're talking about. We, turn, we look back on our year We let that stuff go and we live as God's blessed, favorite daughter. God's special son. You're his favorite. So here's an experience, maybe. You can have an experience of visualizing in prayer you bringing those things to the throne of God and watching him take them, give them to Jesus, who then casts them off over the horizon around the curvature of the earth, out of sight. And maybe you need to do that because the weight that you carry about your failure, and let's just start to enumerate them, your moral impurity, your inability to love in these relationships that are in your life the way you'd like to. The unforgiveness you hold in your heart. Your frustration and your anger over what? Your boss, your job, your financial situation, what your parents did to you growing up, what is it? And we just start enumerating the ways in which we carry this sin and this brokenness into every day of our life and we hang on to it. Can we then take that, visualize taking that and bringing it to God and he hands it to Jesus who's sitting next to him on the throne and Jesus casts it over and away over the ocean and over like where the, and it's gone. It may be important for some of us to take our failure from last year and our sin and watch it go away and live like we're forgiven. How to review a year? Well, maybe we don't. We just look forward. Secondly, we also can can live like we're forgiven and have that experience of allowing God to throw it away. Third, how to look back on a year. Celebrate how God has showed up. Celebrate how God has showed up. 
I like how some of the parents are taking notes on the kids' sermon things. That's cool. Well done. Celebrate how God has showed up. Here's a verse from Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 5, sorry, Mark chapter 5. It's a story of, of uh, Jesus having healed a man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. Do you remember this? Jesus was a man who had just been out of his mind in bondage to the enemy. And Jesus came and healed him, sent the, this plethora of demons out of him into a group of pigs, and they went over the cliff and fell out. Remember that whole story? If you don't, you got to, yeah, this Bible's awesome. Mark chapter 5. And then look at this passage in in Mark 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them, look at these words, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Go reflect on what God has done and how much mercy he's had on you and go tell other people. And now again, this, truthfully, this This passage is more about Jesus saying, go tell the good news, go tell the good news, go tell the good news. Which, by the way, if you don't have any good news to tell, what do we have to offer the world? The point is, even prior to that, going and telling somebody, it's an experience of reflection. It's an exercise in reflecting on what? How much the Lord has done and how he's had mercy on us. What has God done and how has he had mercy on you? This is the reflection we need to do. How much has he done for you, friends? Where has he showed his mercy to you over the last 362 days or wherever it is left in the, that we have this year? How unreflective we can be. It's fascinating that we just go, well, I don't know, I'm not really sure where God has showed up. What has God done for you this year? Well, I'm not sure I've ever reflected on it that way. Some of us have one or two biggies, one or two big prayer requests we've had. You know, I have two friends right now that have just gotten sober, and they're just like, cool, well, I'll tell you what God has done for me, right? And praise God for that. Some of us have had some of these breakthroughs. Some of us had babies. We're like, God, it's a miracle. I got a baby. Look at Dorothy's little baby over there. But the rest of us were so unreflective. I think it's significant for us to go back and to reflect on how much God has done and how he has had mercy on us. Yes, those big ones where we were delivered from the big stuff, but also the smaller things in our lives where God shows up. Why would we do that? Why would we be reflective like that? Because, friends, it gives us hope when we reflect on how much God has done. It gives us hope that God is alive and he's real. But when you zoom through life and you zoom through year after year and you're not reflective of the kinds of ways that God has showed up for you, then that hope wanes. It gives us strength to trust in him again. When we look at our lives and we go, you know, actually, when we think about it, this health crisis even, God met us in it, or keeping us from that God met us, or this difficult relationship, God showed up and gave me everything I needed for it. When you start to think about everything in your life, you go, that class, that class where I got a C, that could have been an F. That class where I got an A, it was because God touched my heart and I love learning about it and he's directing me in it in the future. There's just so many ways that God has showed up in your life. Every day there's this mercy. Wouldn't it be great to do that daily, by the way, so we wouldn't have to go back and try to recollect it? But how to look back in a year is to say, what has God done? Where was he? Oh, that was God that was in that situation. That was God that was in that relationship. That was God that was in that moment. That was God that was even in that crisis with me. 
What has God done and how has he had mercy on you? We need to be reflective enough to identify that that's God because then it gives us hope, then it gives us strength. By the way, then it gives us witness because that's the kind of thing, I actually had a, that's what I was going to say, that's the kind of thing that, that we have to offer somebody. Well, this is where God has been showing up for me. That's what we have to tell people. I had a dream last night that I was having a conversation with my neighbor And he's a guy that I'm developing a friendship with. But I had a conversation with him. We were going skiing together, and we were in my car, and we had Starbucks. I I could just see the whole thing in my head. And we were driving up to the mountains together. And he was talking to me about my life. And I was saying, I was sort of apologetic. I'm like, okay, like I know this sounds weird to you, but this is how God has showed up for me. Like this is what God does for you. And in the dream, and you guys will get, who know me will get a kick out of this, I got real emotional. And so I'm crying, driving the car in my dream, telling about how good God is to me. And I remember thinking, he's going to think I'm a fool. But even in my dream, realizing, no, actually, nobody's ever showed him God like this. I wish I was that good a witness in real life. But in my dreams, it's a good illustration, don't you think? Can we be reflective about how God has showed up and how God has had mercy and say, oh, God has been good to me. God has been good to me. You know, some of the old saints that when you say something about like, oh, well, you have a beautiful home, they say something like, thanks be to God who's provided it for us. Or or Linda's mom tells us again, and she cries when she leaves after Christmas. She goes, you guys, your children are so amazing. And I go, I I know, it's because we're so amazing. No, the answer should be, yeah, thanks be to God for how he showed up in their lives. It's God who's doing that. I remember a woman who used to cook at camp, and we would say, thank you so much, this tastes so good. And she would say, oh, thanks be to God. Can we reflect on all of the ways that God has showed up, all of the moments of mercy, large and small, in our lives? When we do, it gives us hope and strength and witness. And by the way, probably the biggest reason why we should be reflecting on on how God has showed up is that it gives him the glory that he deserves. It is one way, listen church, listen, listen culture, 2015 slash 16, listen. It's one way to remind us that 2015 in the end was really never about you. It was about the glory of God. It was God manifesting himself in our lives. It was about God loving us. It was about God saving us. It was about God reflecting himself to other people. It was the healing you found in your life. That's for God to be glorified. The good news that he gave you, that's so he would be glorified. The strength he gave you in the difficult times, that's so he would be praised, so that the world would see him and know that he is the one true God. 2015 was not about you. And when we stop and reflect on all the mercy and on all the things he has done, it makes us go, oh, right, this is about God. We give him glory for what he's done. And God forbid we would be like that story that Jesus tells, that experience that Jesus tells where he healed 10 suffering lepers and only one came back. And Jesus says to that one, where are the other 10? Weren't all nine? Weren't all 10 cleansed? but only one comes back to say thank you. And then he says to that one, that kind of faith, that saves you. That's what we're looking for. One who gives glory to God for how he shows up in our lives. Where has God showed up? Here's an experience for you maybe that you can do. That you literally go back, maybe you go back through your Facebook pictures. 
Maybe you go back through a journal. Maybe you literally go back through your calendar. And even if you picked one thing a month, wow, that was a mercy of God in my life that month. That was a showing up of God in my life that month. Even if you picked one a month and you only came up with 12. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it, actually, in our unreflective ways? But if you could come up with 12 things in this experience where you were able to say, oh, God, I give you glory for showing up and doing that, that, that looking back and seeing January, February, March, April, May, June, July, that will give you hope, strength, witness, and will give God glory. How to look back on a year, celebrate how God has showed up because that will propel you into the future. And last, fourth, how to look back on a year, plan to be faithful to what you learned. Plan to be faithful to what you learned. Here's a verse in James that's really, it's really kind of common. You, you may recognize it right away. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen to the word of God. When God speaks to you, when you learn something, whether it's from this word of God or whether it's from the word of God, like God's speaking to you, when God teaches you something, don't just listen to it. And then what does the line say right after that? Don't listen to it and so deceive yourselves. There's a deception in hearing it, right? There's a deception. What's the deception? The deception that it's making any difference in your life. We come to church, we read books, we listen to Christian music, we come to worship, we just get all this experience and we, we just experience it. And the scriptures say if all you're doing is just listening to it, it's a deception. That's terrifying. Then what does it say? Do what it says. Do what the word says. Be faithful, be obedient to what God is saying to you. Have a plan to be faithful to what you have learned. That's how you look back on the year. You go, okay, what did I learn as I look back on this calendar year? What did I learn from God? What's a message that he gave me? And now what's my plan to put that into effect? Ah, I know so few people that are this intentional about the most important thing in the universe, which is walking with God and moving forward. I know so few people that are this intentional about it that they go, this is what God's saying to me, and here's my plan to live into it, to lean into it, to live out what I've learned. Again, this isn't about random resolutions. This isn't just like, well, what I learned was that I should probably have an exercise program. Like, you know what? Do you need an exercise program or not? Has Jesus talked to you about your health or not? If Jesus is telling you to exercise, do you have a plan to be faithful? If Jesus is telling you to go forgive this person and to re-engage and to heal that relationship, then do it. But don't just make stuff up. We're talking about being faithful to what we've learned and then actually do it. And if Jesus is telling you to go and reconcile that relationship, to have no plan is a terrifying reality. Be faithful to what you have learned. Have a plan in place. Don't just Listen to God's words to you, but do what it says. This is the words obedience in Scripture. We get these vague impressions. We get these sort of lessons learned. We sort of get this sense of how we're learning or growing, but we never act and we never implement a plan. Obedience and faithfulness is about having a plan to put those things into effect. 
I don't know what that looks like for you because I don't know if it's one or two or five things. I mean, I, I sort of sense that God does these things for me in the course of a year, sort of a theme of a year. And I look back on a year and I think, you know what, this is really what he was speaking to me about this year. For me this year, my theme this year, what God has spoken to me about in 2015, is to fight for the things of the kingdom of God. To contend with people for God's work in their lives, for God's will in their lives, for God's power to be manifest in their lives. To contend against the forces of evil and darkness that are holding me and other people in bondage. That's been my theme this year. That's what I'm learning, you guys. And if there was no way to act into it, to lean into it, to live into it, then, then there would be no, right, there would be no victory. There would be no moving forward. There would be no following Jesus in it. And so, so what I have done is I've, I've developed a, a prayer that I found in a couple other places. I have it in, I have it in every Bible I own. I have it on my, in my backpack. I have it on my phone as a PDF. Here it is taped at the beginning of my, of my Bible. It's a prayer that leads me into that kind of um, spiritual warfare kind of claiming Jesus' victory over my life, that, that I want to stand in authority over the enemy in, in my life and in my wife's life and in my kids and in my brother's life. Like I'm speaking, I'm fighting spiritual battle in prayer. I never pray like that. You know how I usually pray? I usually pray like, oh God, bless me, bless you, bless Ben, amen. That's how I pray usually. God's spoken to me and so I'm like, I got to train myself anew. So I've been praying through this prayer almost every single day if I can. I've been praying different parts of it. This is what I got going here. This is just one little step for me. And everywhere I look it is, it's there. I pray spiritual warfare prayers over the ways that the enemy wants to have me in bondage when I'm in line at Subway. Because I don't want to forget. By the way, I'm seeing God do some miracles in some people's lives around me that are unprecedented. And I think it's because God told me to step up, oh man of God, and contend with spiritual authority and power. This is something I'm learning, and I want to lean into it. Do you have a plan? I, I brought the, these, are my last two, these are my last two years. Last year, last year, God spoke to me about my heart. And Emily made this for me for Christmas a year, uh, two years ago. Um, uh, last year, all I ever wanted was your heart. And so I have this on my desk, and it's a reminder every single day that when I'm prone to think that God loves me because of my performance, I'm prone to think that God's pleased with me because I am working hard, all I ever wanted was your heart. And this is right in front of me, and so I surrender my heart to God every day, and I live freely in my heart. This is two years ago. I think you made this for me again, Emily. Isaiah 30, 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength. Again, you see a pattern in my life? Type A, working, 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 and repentance and rest is your salvation. So I put it right there. So this two years ago for me was, here it is. Two years ago, I spent most of the year spending an hour a day resting in God's presence. An hour without doing anything. It was terrible. I'm so glad that year's over. (laughs) If you were to take my Bible, 
and you were to look in my Bible, not only is that thing taped in there, I've got stuff stuck in here. Here's my personal mission statement from a couple of years ago. God has uniquely designed me to, and it goes on, so that I remember who I am and who God has made me to do. There's a note in here from a, a sermon that Art preached, and it's a prayer that I wrote about what I'm hoping for, and a prayer to God and a reminder that God has shown up in everything he's ever brought me through. Grace to me in everything you've ever led me into in my life. There's always been enough from you, God. It's right there in my Bible, and I read it almost every time I open my Bible. Here's Psalm 20. It's a verse, it's a whole psalm that I'm memorizing, and it's about the Lord answering us when we pray in authority and strength. It's regarding this um, this stuff I'm learning right now. There is a note from a woman who has a gift of prophecy in our church who said, this is a verse for you. He has set your heart free. She didn't know that, it was a, that that was the year of my heart. What's your plan? What's your reminders? What's your strategy? To be faithful to the things that God is speaking to you so that you will live into them. Do you get my point? Because I'll quit. If you just go like this, then I'll quit. Otherwise, I'm going to keep hammering at home. I got all morning. Here's an experience. What is even one small thing you think you learned this year about yourself? Yourself in the world, yourself in Jesus, yourself in the kingdom of God. What's one thing? And what is one step you can take to live into that thing that you learned? One plan, one discipline, one resolution, the beginning of one habit. What's one thing you learned and one way you can step into it? Linda, Michael, and Tristan, come on up here. We're going to finish by singing. But how to review a year, how to look back on a year. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't except to have a funeral for all your past successes and all your past failures. Maybe you live like your sin has been forgiven, that you visualize him having taken all your sin and cast it off, and that's how you treat last year. Maybe you celebrate how God has showed up, that you chronicle God's mercy to you for his glory, for your strength. And maybe you make a plan to be faithful to what you have learned. One step that propels you to living, living out what God has taught you to do. Does one of those resonate with you? Does one of those four experiences resonate with you? Maybe all four of them that you could put in your, in your day timer. Do anybody have day timers anymore? You can put it in your electronic notifications and you can say, you know what? Once a week for the next four weeks, I'm going to do one of these experiences as I figure out how to deal with 2015 this year in review. May you encounter God and his way of looking back on 2015 so that then you're ready to be God's person as we look into 2016.